Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is a special episode of Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And this NFL free agency period, like no other, is underway, and we have decided to bring on a very special guest to break all this fascinating news down. You may remember him from our election 2020 specials as a Texas-based Republican strategist who has worked for two United States senators and President George W. Bush. While that is true, he is also one of the biggest and most knowledgeable football fans you'll ever find, and I am talking about my man Matt Makoviak. Matt also hosts an outstanding podcast called Mac on Politics that I highly, highly encourage you to check out. But we invited you today for some Mac on Football, so to speak. How have you been, Matt? Hey, David. I'm doing great. It's so awesome to be back with you. Thanks for inviting me on to talk sports. I love it. Uh, you're very welcome, Matt. We always love having you on here. And uh, let's start out with the Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have made it clearer than ever that they are hell-bent on running it back and repeating. Last week, we saw Chris Godwin receive the franchise tag, Levante David sign a two-year extension, and Tom Brady agreed to an extension by a restructure that cleared approximately $19 million in cap space. And yesterday, just minutes after the so-called legal tampering period began, star pass rusher Shaq Barrett re-signed with the team on a four-year deal worth up to $72 million. And just hours later, Gronk re-signed on a one-year deal. And currently, the Bucs remain deep in talks to retain Antonio Brown, Ryan Suckup, Indomitian Sue, and Leonard Fournette. But if they don't get Leonard Fournette, rumor has it there, they have eyes for James White, the Patriots running back, and it would be an interesting reunion uh, in Tampa with Tom Brady as well there. But at the moment, how do you feel about Tampa's odds of making it back to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, and who do you think is the greatest threat to them in the NFC? Boy, that's a great question. You know, the NFC's changing with Drew Brees retiring. You know, first ballot Hall of Famer, probably a top five all-time quarterback. His stats, his career stats are so amazing. You know, you want to say Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers is such an amazing quarterback. Uh, he's such a gamer. He's always had le- you know, lesser weapons than all of his all the other you know teams that are competing, but he's always right there. Uh, but boy, it just feels like Tampa thinks they can do it again, and, and why shouldn't they think that? You know, Kansas City—they were able to tame Kansas City in a way that had never happened before. Patrick Mahomes had never had a game where, uh, as a quarterback in the NFL, where they hadn't scored a touchdown. First game that had happened in whatever it is, two, two and a half seasons, whatever his uh, time frame is there, he never had a game where they hadn't scored a touchdown. Uh, and they, they found a way to tame him. That, that defense won that game, not that offense, which is, is shocking because Tampa's defense was pretty up and down all year. So I think they look at it and they say, look, Brady's fine. Gronk's coming back. They got the weapons. They got the coaching. You know, they could build a dynasty. I mean, Brady's already the greatest of all time. That debate's over. It's been over for a while. Now he wants to be the greatest athlete of all time. And he's in, the, he's in the conversation. It's hard for me to see him ever match up to Wayne Gretzky or Michael Jordan. So I think just the distance between the two of them and everyone else is so, so significant. Uh, but, you know, he's certainly going to be in that conversation of the five or ten greatest athletes of all time. Muhammad Ali, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. You know, you have to think of who else. Jesse Owens, maybe. Uh, you know, it, it's an amazing list, an all-time list. That's what I think they're going for. And from their standpoint, if they have all the tools back, if they could get hot in the playoffs, if they could get a one or two seed and get a bye next year in a regular season and have home field, they can do it again. And it's not crazy to think they can't do it again. The only thing really that risks it is Brady getting hurt. And as of now, you know, he, he's, he's hold, the team is built in such a way. He's taking short drops. He's protected. They have a decent running game. They have good running backs. They have a lot of weapons. He doesn't get hit a lot, and that's, that's the whole key. So you've got to give them credit. They rebuilt their team at a time when that was not easy to do, given that the salary cap, you know, is, is, is what it is, given what happened last year financially. So 
they could do it. I mean, they're going to be right there. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a top four seed more than likely. And they got a good chance to, to repeat. And that's hard to do in the NFL, today's NFL. Oh, it most certainly is. And speaking of Tom Brady, arguably the biggest headliner of free agency so far is his former team, the New England Patriots. And as of this morning, according to Adam Schefter, the Patriots have doled out a whopping $137.5 million in guaranteed money. That is the second most in NFL history, and they are on pace to break that record when free agency officially opens at 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. And most notably, a bulk of those guarantees went to tight ends John Smith and Hunter Henry. They believe that they can recreate the Gronk Hernandez days with those two at tight end. Wide receivers Nelson Aguilar and Kedrick Bourne and pass rusher Matt Judon. Based on these moves, do you think the Patriots have a team that can win the AFC East or at least make the playoffs as a wild card in 2021? Yeah, good question. I think the, the big question is, and you're right, they're improving the weapons around Cam Newton or whoever they sign as a free agent or draft. Um, the question is going to be, you know, how important is quarterback play? I think if you know one thing about the NFL, if you look at the playoffs every year, you know, 80% of the teams that are in the playoffs – have outstanding quarterback play. If you have a good defense and maybe you get hot, you got a rookie quarterback or somebody's on a resurgence, maybe you can get there. But for the most part, it's the same quarterbacks every year. It's Ben Roethlisberger, right? It's Mahomes, it's Brady, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Drew Brees. Like we know with pretty damn good certainty, those guys are in the playoffs next year. It almost doesn't matter what else happens. And that's because quarter play is the corner of the realm in the NFL. Now, if you look at the Patriots, you know, it's pretty clear that they decided to, to sign Aguilar over someone like Juju Smith-Schuster from Pittsburgh, who's going to be on the market, probably going to sign somewhere else, has basically, you know, decided or at least announced that he thinks he's unlikely to return to Pittsburgh, which is the right call. For, it's the right call for the Steelers. You know, Juju's not a number one receiver. He, he's a great player. He's a great blocker. He's great short yardage. He's great in the red zone. But that's not enough. It's just not enough to command the kind of money he's going to command, given this, the, the – uh, salary cap issues the Steelers already have. But the Patriots, it's pretty clear. Bob Kraft looked at this last season and said, that's not good enough. I, I, can't, I can't justify owning this team and all we built and you know, the amazing success we have with Tom Brady and Belichick and just sit back and, and wonder whether we're even going to make the playoffs. So he decided to spend money. Now, the interesting thing to me is they made a commitment to Cam Newton. That surprised me because Cam Newton is not a league quarterback anymore. And I, I, don't, I don't really think that's even a, a debatable statement. Uh, you know, he was an elite quarterback at one time. He took Carolina to the Super Bowl. You know, his, his success at Auburn was fantastic. Unfortunately, it was kind of tarred by the academic uh, – or excuse me, that, the, the financial scandals at Auburn at the time. But, you know, he was, he was a gamer and a winner at one time, and he, he was a great quarterback, but he's not anymore. And I just have trouble seeing the Patriots become an elite team again. Could they get in the playoffs? Sure. The AFC East is weak. And they're going to be weak as long as, as long as we live. The Bills are, are becoming an elite team. You have to give them credit. What they built with Doug Marone, uh, with that team, uh, with the, the quarterback play Josh Allen had last year. Josh Allen was in the, was in the MVP uh, discussion last year, much to, much to everyone's surprise. But that's really the only threat to them. Uh, and so I think the Bills probably win the AFC East, even with what the, uh, the Pats have done, unless they sign a quarterback that's better than Cam Newton that gives them a better chance. I think you're going to see them go after that. I don't know who, who it could be. At this stage, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, but they, they've given themselves an opportunity to make Cam their number two and to go sign a free agent if they can get, a, get someone on a decent one-year deal that could give them a chance to be competitive. But they're not a threat to win the AFC, the, the AFC at all. They may be a threat to win the division if they can at least split with Buffalo. They're in a better shape, better shape going into next season than, than they were this season. And I think for Pats fans, that's a welcome, welcome sign. 
Uh, yes, and I'm glad you mentioned the Patriots quarterback situation because keep in mind, uh, they made a commitment to Cam Newton, but it's only a one-year deal and only like uh, $3.5 million out of the $12.5 million uh, on the contract, or the $15 billion, I should say, is uh, fully guaranteed. And uh, that had me asking this question. Uh, when you look at this draft this year, you are likely to see four quarterbacks go in the top eight. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the slam dunk at one. Uh, Zach Wilson likely going to the uh, Jets at two. And then uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields are uh, uh, wherever they land up. It's going to be between that four and eight range. If you're the Patriots now, are you eyeing up a move up the board on draft night for either Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Good question. Um, I don't think either one of them are are the kind of quarterbacks you can build an entire, you know, franchise around. They're not franchise quarterbacks. And, and look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope these guys go out and have great careers and I have nothing against them personally, obviously, although I generally do root against Ohio state just as a matter of principle. Uh, but I just, don't, I, you know, look, Fields had some amazing statistics. Uh, give him credit. He had an amazing college career. I just have never felt like he was going to be a huge success in the NFL. Uh, Trey Lance, I know less about. Um, I just don't I don't see that either. Look, it is so hard. Every draft, you maybe have one or maybe two franchise quarterbacks that come out of it. Right? You look at the, the draft with Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and Phillip Rivers. That was unusual. You had three franchise quarterbacks, three Hall of Famers, two of which won Super Bowls. Uh, and Rivers, you know, his stats are, are right up there, you know, top 20 of all time. Uh, absolute gunslinger. So it's rare to have that happen. Is Lawrence a franchise quarterback? Unquestionably, yes. He's got all the tools. He's a leader. He's, he's big. He throws a great deep ball. He makes good decisions. He's a winner. He's tough. He's got, he brings a whole, the whole package. Um, you know, the quarterback from, from Utah, that you, from BYU that you mentioned, is moving up quickly. Um, you know, he is going to be the number two quarterback taken. I watched a lot of their games because I stay up at night late in, in those games. And, you know, out there out west are the only games on. And they put a lot of points up. And they beat some teams badly this year, and he has some pretty good stats. You have to wonder whether that's system versus what he really offers. And that's the thing. That's why scouts get paid money. That's why GMs get paid big money, is to be able to determine whether these guys are really good or whether it's a system. I just It's hard for me to see the Pats move up in that stage. You know, they're not in the rebuilding mode. They're trying to win now. They're trying to get back in the playoffs. They're trying to reestablish that they're an elite team. Drafting a rookie quarterback, even someone like that that's talented, isn't going to get them to the playoffs. Rookie quarterbacks almost never take teams to the playoffs, and they almost, even, even less often than that, do they win a playoff game, right? So to me, I think the better option for, for the Pats, if they have the, the, the salary cap room, would be to look at a free agent, you know, a proven winner, somebody's looking for one year, maybe two years, maybe it's incentive-laden. You look at that Cam Newton contract, you know, they basically played with his ego. Um, you know, they said, look, you think you're a starter. Uh, we're going to give you a chance to start. We're going to give you an incentive-based contract. If you have a better year next year, you're going to make a hell of a lot of money. And meanwhile, you know, the problem for Cam is he doesn't know who else they're going to sign. And I don't think, they, I don't think they're ending the season believing Cam's going to be their starter. I think they're willing to accept that if they can't go out and get someone better who can out-compete and give them a better chance to win. But I think they think, based on the way that deal is structured, that they can do better. And I think they're going to make a real effort to do better whether they can do that remains to be seen. It's hard for me to see how the draft is ultimately the answer, unless they think Cam is their bridge this season. They draft a rookie who's got some talent, and then year two, year three, he becomes a starter. Yes, and moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs for a moment. In response to the shellacking they experienced in Super Bowl 55 that you alluded to, particularly up front, the Chiefs made the biggest offensive line move in free agency so far by signing former Patriots All-Pro guard Joe Tooney to a market-setting five-year, $80 million contract. 
And last week, however, they released both of their starting tackles at Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. But the club is very high on last year's third-round pick, Lucas Niang, who had a stellar performance against Chase Young in college when he was at TCU. And for now, when you look at the Chiefs' potential starting offensive line for week one of 2021, you got Niang at left tackle, Tootie and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who took the season off to... Uh, work uh, on the front lines of COVID at guard. Austin Ryder at center and a rookie right tackle who they will likely draft early and this draft is a pretty deep uh, pool of tackle talent. And while this group may be a downgrade from their 2020 week one starting offensive line, do you think it could eventually represent a dramatic upgrade for that mass unit they trotted out in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and if you look at it, right, the Chiefs obviously have a lot of weapons, right? They, they, they put an enormous amount of points up this year. Uh, obviously didn't happen in the Super Bowl, mostly because of that offensive line problem and the, the Bucks put pressure on Mahomes. He was running for his life back there, trying to make magic happen, uh, and he was unable to do it. And that's not his fault. I mean, most most quarterbacks would have turned turned the ball over, made bad decisions, gotten you know deep, you know sacked way back in the backfield. He he kind of got away with it for the most part. Uh, but they had real trouble converting first downs, moving down the field, and obviously scoring a touchdown. Which is, it's hard to win an NFL game when you don't score a touchdown. Um, but uh, look, the Chiefs, I think, are, are, are recognized that they can't ever be in the situation they were in again. But Eric Fisher, I mean, almost everyone who, who, who lined up against him owned him last season. Uh, the Steelers owned him last season. A number of other teams did. You know, I, I don't know why he's in the pros anymore. He's clearly not a starter. Uh, they had to cut him. Uh, and they're obviously upgrading their line because if you think about it, think about it like a business, right? What is your most precious asset to the Kansas City Chiefs? It's Patrick Mahomes and his health. What have they committed? Isn't it something like $400 million to him? the largest contract in the history of the NFL. Yeah. What is he, 23 years old, something like that, mm-hmm. right? So his health is the single most valuable thing that entire franchise has. It's probably more valuable than the stadium, right? So so you can't, you're not going to win without Patrick Mahomes. You want him to stay healthy. You want him to have a long career. You want to be a first-bout Hall of Famer. You want to win several Super Bowls. If you're going to do that, you better make sure you have good tackles that, that, are, that are healthy, you know, that can pass block, that, you know, that, that, can, um, that can handle, you know, elite players that line up against them. And so they're moving that direction. It's a smart investment. But, of course, the salary cap is a salary cap, and you can either have a lot of weapons or you can have a great offensive line or you can have a great defense. You can maybe have two of those three, but you can't have all three of them at the same time. And so the Chiefs are going to lose some things because they're making this commitment to the line. But it seems to me it's pretty smart because, you know, what happened in that Super Bowl was an embarrassment with that franchise. They had a chance to go back-to-back, which is rare. And they really fell flat on their face in a game that they not only should they have won, they probably should have won fairly easily. Uh, when you just look at the lineups between the two teams and the trajectory of the two teams. Now, the Bucks are playing well, and you always have an advantage when Tom Brady's on your team as quarterback, uh, even at his age. But the Chiefs really should have won that game. I think there was, you know, probably tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars lost on the belief that the Chiefs would at minimum cover and almost certainly win that game. And so the franchise has decided we have to protect our investment in Patrick Mahomes, and that's a smart decision. I completely agree. He is Matt McCoviak, ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Mac on Politics podcast. Matt, thank you so much for joining us for this free agency special. But before I let you go, we want to talk about the Texas-sized canyon in the room of most NFL fans right now. And I'm talking about something that's probably not going to happen for quite a while. It is Deshaun Watson. And last yeah. week, uh, Texans head coach David Culley told uh, Jim Trotter of NFL Network, a very fine reporter, that Deshaun Watson was their quarterback, quote, right now. And those two words convinced Jim Trotter and many, including myself, that the Texans will inevitably end up trading him. 
And today, the Texans signed Tyrod Taylor to a one-year deal that can be worth up to $12.5 million based on playing time and incentives. Less than half of that is uh, guaranteed, though. But this shows you the Texans are at least racing for a long holdout from Deshaun Watson. But should they eventually realize that a trade is in their best interest, should they make a deal before the draft or in late August before the regular season? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, they need to get the maximum value, right? There's no franchise probably in all of sports that has been managed more poorly from a, a front office standpoint than the Houston Texans uh, in the last, let's say, five years, right? They've given away all their assets. They get, they, they get, they let, uh, you know, JJ Watt go away for, for nothing when he's a, you know, the most, at one time was the most dominant defensive player in the league. Um, they let, they trade DeAndre Hopkins, one of the most electrifying, uh, you know, you know, receivers in the game. They trade him for a fullback uh, who, who, who contributes almost nothing. They're just an, they've been an absolute disaster. And Bill O'Brien, you know, at one time was a good football coach, uh, clearly was not equipped to be the GM at, uh, at the same time. Very few franchises that have someone that does both ever succeed. You can look at Dallas Cowboys as an example of that. Um, but, look, the Texans um, obviously need to get maximum value. They're going to have a horrendous team this year. They have no weapons. Watson doesn't want to be there. He's not going to be up early, lifting weights, showing up early, taking, mentoring the young quarterbacks, doing extra time with the receivers. Even though he's a winner, and he's a great quarterback, and I think he's someone who is a franchise quarterback. He is desperate to get the hell out of Houston, and I don't blame him. Why would you, why would you want to stay with a franchise that has no interest in winning? I don't know what they're doing. Whatever they're doing makes absolutely no sense, and every single season ticket holder and sponsor ought to pull, pull their investment immediately until there are fundamental changes. Now, I know they have a new GM, new head coach. We'll see what happens. But that is a three- to five-year rebuild, and Deshaun Watson should be playing for a team that can win. He deserves that. Whether he has value in the free agent uh, phase, uh, in a trade, uh, you know, that can give the Texans real value, I think is, it remains to be seen. A lot of teams need quarterbacks. A few teams need a good quarterback, and a few teams have things they can offer. Whether those, whether that deal can be made remains to be seen. I don't know if it can, uh, but the Texans need to get maximum value, and they have a better chance probably getting maximum value if they wait until after the season starts. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody's desperate. They want to trade draft picks. That's how you rebuild quickly. Uh, so if I'm the Texans, I make sure you get a good deal uh, during before the season starts, a really good deal. If not, then you wait, play Deshaun, play Deshaun Watson a couple games, uh, show that you can still do it, and, and then trade him week three, week four, week five, something like that when no team is absolutely desperate. Thank you very much, man. And that's it for this special episode of Sports Cross. But we'll be back in just a few days with more coverage of this free agency frenzy and the 2021 NFL draft. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe. And when it's your turn, please get vaccinated. Thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) 